Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. Hi, welcome in to this Tuesday edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. It's going to be a fun edition. We're live on YouTube, live on Facebook, also live on 943thegame.com, of course, on 94.3 in your radio stations and in your cars everywhere as you drive across town. And I'm excited to have our, our guest. He is Ryan Robinson. He joins us at the top of the show, Executive Associate Athletics Director, uh, running the Pirate Club, also generating revenue. On the athletic side, you got a lot going on these days. We Ryan. have a lot. Well, first of all, congratulations to you. I think this is, uh, you know, I got to know you when I first got here. Uh, I guess it's almost been five years, but um, just really appreciate. Um, I always say good or bad. Uh, <laughs> I just appreciate the uh, the coverage and uh, what you're doing. And this radio show is is awesome. I think it's you know educational. Yeah, we got a lot going on right now. We're um, you know. People think the summer is usually a quiet time. Right. Um, Coach Houston and I were in Charlotte last week, which was pretty cool. Got to play golf with Harold Varner and Chad Tracy, wow. which was good. Two, two uh, pirate legends. Yeah, uh, different swings. I will tell I you, so, very yeah. different swings. Uh, Chad is swinging for the fence. Uh, but, yeah, we're kind of in that armada season. So Coach right. and I, Coach Schwartz and Coach Manil going to the Outer Banks tomorrow. So, Really, right now, it's about uh, raising money, but really raising awareness um, and kind of getting ready. I mean, before you know it, we're going to be out there on the football field in early August. It's it's crazy, man. It's the, and that's the thing, too, is people think this is the off season, But really, if you're a coach, you're recruiting this time of year. If you're a fundraiser, you're fundraising this time of year. And then it all kind of builds up to the games and, and obviously a ton of momentum right now with ECU Athletics. And, you know, to me, the, the best, you know, the overall athletic department is in the best health it's been in in years. So how much, and we'll get into the specifics yeah. of the Pirates Unite campaign. I know you guys have been doing great things with that. But how much has the health and the momentum from winning, you know, winning helps sales, obviously. It how really, much does that help? It really does. And I think, you know, we're really positioned well. I think this is a key time because we're going into, I mean, it is the AAC, but it's going to be a revamped conference. And we really have a chance to go in there and really uh, make them, you know, send a message. You know, right now our season ticket sales are, are going really well, but you look at it, let's say we go into the first year in this revamped conference and we're sitting there with 16,500, 17,000 season tickets. You know, baseball is now sold out two years in a row. Women's basketball is in the NCAA tournament. Our men's basketball team, I think, had the most wins since 2016. Uh, so we have a lot of momentum, and I think it's our job – We've got to keep that momentum, and obviously it does. When you're talking to donors and Pirate Club members, uh, the conversation is a lot better now than it was in 2019 because at that at that point you're selling hope. Uh, you know, hey, we, we hope this thing's going to turn around, but I think now you look at what Coach Houston's done, you know, back-to-back bowl appearances and just the culture inside that program. Uh, you've probably seen it just from afar, but – I really feel good about where we're at heading into, like I said, I call it a revamp conference where uh, we have a chance to really make strides in, in all our sports, and I'm excited about that. 
we'll get into Pirates Unite and kind of the specific fundraising with, with some of those projects. But I just want to ask about your role in specifics because you, you kind of have the unique perspective of you were on just the athletic side to begin with under John Gilbert, and then you kind of made a transition to executive Pirate Club director, but still on the athletic side. You know, you still meet with John yeah. and those guys. So how much does that you know, the knowledge on the athletic side help you when you go into somebody's home or meet with somebody, you know, basically trying to fundraise money. <clears throat> Sorry, I've done a little allergies. But, no, I think it's huge. I mean, um, I, I know what's going on within, the, you know, within the athletic department, what's on there. And, you know, I have a unique role where, yeah, I'm meeting with John, you know, uh, multiple times a day. And then, you know, you got a J.J. McLam who's handling everything from facilities and uh, with baseball and football. But then I can relay that to our Pirate Club staff to where they're out fundraising. But I love it. You know, I want to be, hopefully one day, be an athletic director. And I don't know if I could get a better, um, you know, education for that right now where being around all the different sports and also serve as a sports administrator for our men's and women's golf teams. So I, I really enjoy it. I think what I really enjoy the most is we got great people. And, um, you know, I said something last week, Van Isley, who obviously the Isley family made a huge gift, but, you know, he was a very successful business person. And he he said something that's really stuck with me a while back, about two years ago in an interview. He said, you know, my whole goal is to invest in people, invest in good people before we really need them. And and right now we have some really good people. And college athletics, man, it is a, it's a battle every day. It is so competitive and the landscape is changing, so we're constantly uh, – I can't tell you how many little conversations I have with John Daly just about one certain issue. You know, it could be about NIL, the campaign, where you're trying to strategize and find the best way uh, to move forward. And listen, we don't, have the, we don't have all the money. I mean, that's very – everybody knows that. But our campus is very supportive. Our chancellor is very supportive. So – we can move forward, and I really think this is an exciting time because I really think we have a chance to go places that ECU's never been before, just the way we're positioned heading into this new kind of conference. We're visiting with Ryan Robinson from the Pirate Club, also ECU Athletics. So we got a ton of questions on Hoist the Colors. Always. So we'll, get to, uh, we'll get to at least some of them. I don't know if we can cover them all. Honestly, uh uh, How many are related to, like, sound system? Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, well, that's, those are good. Those yeah, are good there's, there's some good questions. There's some tough questions. Some fun <laughs> questions, too. Even Scott Shook has a question for you. So oh, I'm we'll, sure that will be interesting. We'll, uh, we'll ask you that one shortly. Uh, let's talk about Pirates Unite. Yeah. You mentioned the Osley family. You know, $5 million donation, just uh, the, the biggest ever from a philanthropic standpoint uh, to EC Athletics and the Pirate Club. Their name will go on the, the indoor yeah. practice facility. I, I know it has, a I guess, multi-purpose facilities which yeah, you it is. <laughs> you know it's gonna be great i was talking uh, at the event we had last saturday to uh mave english and a couple of our soccer girls mm-hmm. that's where they practice in the off season mm-hmm. <laughs> so now they'll practice in this indoor which listen when it's uh when you're not outside in the rain or the heat um i think coach houston does a great job he's always talking about the weather i think sometimes too getting out of the heat helps yeah so it, it will be multi-sports i mean i can't tell you how many Sport teams are running on the the turf field we have now. Uh, I think baseball has used it before, so it's going to be multi-purpose. Yeah, that will be the Isley uh, Indoor Performance Center, and then the campaign is going really well. You know, we're 
we're less than a year. I think we started this campaign. I was looking at it the other day, like May 10th last year, and we're already at about uh, near $21 million. And it's been really incredible just when you look at, you know, I think we've had six gifts of a million dollars or more and three of two million or more. And those are important, Stephen. Like, I can't say enough about, uh, you know, I think about Bill Clark Homes and just they, for the last three or four years, they have played such a large role in our athletics department. But we also need the $100 donors, the $200 donors. So I don't, I don't want people to be scared away when they see these, these gifts. We need everybody. That's kind of why we called it Pirates Unite. Because we knew these facilities were not going to get built unless we kind of all united. But uh, Van Isley, his family, him and Jennifer, um, and Johnny and Jake are the most humble people um, I've ever been around. And for them to step up and really say, hey, let's get there. Uh, we probably, right now, we probably towards the indoor, you know, depending on what day uh, you ask John, and I'm really being facetious because the cost of materials yeah. continue to go up. So I would say right now we're nearing about $15 million that's been raised on that in a year. So I would say we're probably going to need between um, 7 and $9 more million. It sounds like a lot, but, again, I think if we can all kind of come together uh, over this, you know, listen, if it's up to me, I'd like for it to be done by the end of football season. Right. I'd like for the money to be raised. But it's a process. You know, uh, these conversations, you can have a conversation, and then six months later that person has had an opportunity to think about it. So you, you don't really walk into somebody's office and just ask for $2 million right. and get a check. So we have a lot of ask out there right now that I know people are, are contemplating. But really, I, I am so pleased with where the campaign is, and it's because of the people, man. It's because of our uh, Pirate Club members, our staff. I think of Matt Maloney. He told me the other day that he's like, I've never seen anything like this, like some of our donors stepping up. And Matt's been here a long time. So uh, it's been really rewarding to see, and I think just meeting people. We have completed the fundraising for the Minji's renovation. We can get into that whenever, but yeah. that is paid for. And we knew going into this campaign we had to raise every dollar. Um, we were not going to have any debt. So we know uh, before that indoor is built, we got to raise whether it's $21, $22 million. And I love it. I think it's competitive. Um and every time we get an opportunity to talk about ECU athletics and our incredible student athletes, we got to take advantage of it and um, and continue to raise funds. So you think it's you know it's possible maybe if if some things fall your way that by the end of the year you could have the funding, yeah. Okay. And I think after that, I'm not a I'm not a builder, but um, it's going to take time to build it just with the way uh, supplies are coming right. in. Um, but I, that's, you know, I have an internal goal of, man, let's try to get to $20 million by the end of the year for the indoor. And I will tell you, like a baseball building right now, we have probably had commitments in the uh, probably nearing $3.84 million. That's probably could be a $6 million building. I mean, we don't have any – I don't have a set price on that. Mm-hmm. But um, obviously it's a little uh, less expensive. So we knew the indoor was going to be – and that's why Minji's – you're talking about a million dollar, uh, some renovations. And we had some people, to be honest with you, that really stepped up for basketball, uh, which has been unbelievable to watch over the last, you know, nine months of people that say, hey, we need this in Minji's, so let, let's go do it. So, yeah, I mean, I think by the end of the year, um, if we're not at $20 million for the indoor, you know, Stan, I'd love to be at 17 or 18 But, again, 
those things take time, and we do have ass that are out there. So let's get into the Minji situation, and you know it's no secret the lights last year had issues with them, uh, which it's an old system. You know it's been that way for a while, at least in terms of needing to yeah. be upgraded. So uh, you, you said you, the money's already been raised. John Gilbert's kind of said we're, that project will start, you know, later yeah, this year. We're moving year. forward on that. So what exactly? I guess will that entail exactly? Because I've had some people say, you know, what are the specifics of that? Upgrade? Well, we're putting in new LED lights. I mean, bottom line is the in Minji's. I don't know what game it was last year, but the switcher went out. I mean, it's a button you push, and basically we couldn't turn the lights out anymore, or it would take 30 minutes to turn back on. So that's just the bottom line, uh, and we had to upgrade. But now to have LED lights where I think we'll have some colors we'll be able to use, uh, it's going to make a huge difference. And it's not just, you know, it's men's and women's basketball, volleyball, but also all the graduations, the events we have in there. And then what I'm really excited about is these new chairback seats. Um, you know, these are nice chairback seats that are going to go in. And I know I've talked to several fans. I definitely understand. But they are going to be on behind opponents in our bench. So they'll take off that one side. The students will still have that complete other side. Um, but these seats will sell well. We are reseating for basketball. So for Pirate Club members, I've talked to a lot of people that I think what you're going to see, Stephen, is a lot of people that are in those uh, older uh, purple chairbacks, they're going to move down because I mean, you're talking nice, comfortable seats that um, probably are wider than what they had up there. Uh, we're kind of upgrading. And that's going to take place, you know, this summer in July. I know J.J. McLand told me yesterday he was over there meeting with the seating individuals and the lighting. And now the bleachers will still be able to go in, so that we're not going to hurt that. Um, I just think it's going to add so much to Minji's. I don't – listen, I'm biased, but you talked to our student-athletes last year. They were so excited when we got new seats, you know, yeah, new bench seats. Absolutely. It, it, made, it makes a difference. And we've got to continue to do what we can um, – to make Minji's. Now, I love it. I, you know, so look at the Houston game, man. It was oh, awesome. Because your fans are right there on you. So um, these seats will be good. We're still trying to figure out in terms of opponent seating. Per the conference policy, you do have to have, I think, 30 or 40 seats behind the bench. It has to be for opponents. So they would probably have those first two rows. But then we will be selling all the other seats. And uh, I, I think people are going to really like it when they see it. Well, those seats, you know, Minji says that gray feel, so these new seats will they be purple? Yeah, they're okay. going to be purple, and it's kind of that, that leather type that, I mean, these are going to be nice, comfortable yeah. seats, so you're, you're not going to want to leave your seat. Um, and I thought last year we added the courtside um, seats and the bench seats that are, I mean, those are top of the line. You're going to right. see those in NBA arenas. So we have to continue to invest. I thought John Gilbert, um, you know, Coach Houston and I talked about this, but a guy I can remember four years ago, football program was in a bad place, and, and John kept preaching, you can't wait till they get right. good and invest. You have to invest now, and, you know, if you've invested in ECU football, you it's paid off. Um, you know, we still got a ways to go, but you're talking about back-to-back bowl games, a completely different culture, a very uh, coaching staff that are great teachers, but also great people, so... We've got to continue to invest in Minji's and our other sports, but I am really excited about uh, getting in Minji's Coliseum with these new additions. And I and I don't know how you know I don't know if some people are going to want to stay in the purples, 
but these are going to be pretty good seats. We'll have Coach Schwartz next Tuesday join us in the studio, so we'll get his. He's favorite. very quiet. He's a very yeah. quiet guy. <laughs> he's a, he's an awesome interview, man. I tell he you is. what, yeah, I'll have to ask about five questions, and he'll kill. Well, he loves. I tell you one thing about coaches: he loves being here, and he truly believes that we're we're, we're sitting on a sleeping giant. He yeah. gets me fired up. I talk to him usually daily, and he gets me fired up about the opportunities here. And I thought, well, you know, what Kim McNeil did this year, she showed. Uh, ball bounces your way, um, it, it could change the program. No doubt, no doubt. Always fired up talking to Coach Schwartz. We'll have him in next week. All right, let's get into some of these questions uh, on online. All right, Scott Shook, a.k.a. Shook Pirate, wants to know, ask Ryan Robson if he owns a tie, and if he does, is it a <laughs> clip-on? Or if not, is it already tied and hanging on the back of his door? It. it the second part, I do have a shirt, tie, and a jacket hanging on the back of my door. I wear a tie when I have to. And I think really a lot of it is a lot of the donors we go see, they're not wearing ties. Right. So they really don't need me to show up, you know, looking like I'm something special. So um, I do wear a tie occasionally, but uh, I prefer a jacket and kind of a, a golf shirt. Gets a little tight around the neck, Steven, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Uh, so I try to prefer not to wear a tie, but when I do, when I need to. But Mr. Shook is probably one of the, and I don't know if people know this, our Board of Trustees chairman has done a great job, probably one of the best-dressed uh, individuals we have. When he really gets dressed up, there's a there's a local store here in town that I, I think he, he owns stock in. <laughs> there's a uh, poster that wants to know, has there been any contact with former players or alumni that they have not received contributions from in the past? So I guess like, you know, former letter winners, former players that maybe have not given to the program. How, how much of an outreach program is there on you guys as far as? <laughs> well, two years ago, Danielle Morin in our office, um, former student athlete here, and to be honest with you, she's been incredible. Didn't really have fundraising experience, but has came in and just been incredible. She has really revamped, we call it kind of our EC letter winners club. And those numbers continue to rise. And I would urge any former student athlete, reach out to Danielle because she works with Vontae Leach and others. We've got to continue to grow that because we need those individuals to come back and support us. I think we have for our EC club, you can join for $100. You get a hat, I think a shirt, and then you also get you know discounts on tickets. But what's really important is getting the former players back around our current student-athletes. It, it is so important. I cannot tell you, I was telling Harold Varner this last week, you know, when he gets around our current golfers, like, that means something. Right. right. They see where he's at and what they could be. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we, we we need to continue to grow it. But, man, when I tell you it is a priority in the Pirate Club, it is a priority. Uh, we had a question from uh, Chess Pirates, and I know this is an ongoing topic. He, he's basically asking about, you know, fans who are digging deep, you know, buying season tickets to sports, also giving to the Pirate Club, also trying to get to NIL, you know, what would be kind of the, the advice for fans who are giving to the Pirate Club, but, hey, NIL plays an important role, too, in this day and age in college athletics. His name Chance? Uh, Chez Pirate. Is Chez Pirate. Name, I, I will tell you, man, you're exactly right. You know, right now we have so many different buckets that I tell people, our donors are giving more money than they've ever given annually, you know, because we got some, let's say, donor we have sitting in the tower. They're paying for that, plus their annual fund, plus tickets, plus NIL. I think, Chaz, you got to do what you can do, but I want you to know 
all of those things you mentioned are important. Um, NIL is important. Uh, you know, we have a great setup where people can could go right to Team Boneyard here in town and donate. I know a lot of them have, and I know a lot of our student athletes are benefiting from it, and they appreciate it. But I think um, you're supporting all the right things. I know the Pirate Club, our annual fund um, is valuable because we're we're sending money for scholarships. But I think we really appreciate everything you can do. Definitely understand if more money goes to the other. Uh, we're we're not competing because all of it, you know, at the end of the day is going to our student athletes. And I really appreciate the people behind Team Boneyard. Um, you know, they all have other jobs, right? So they're, they're, you know, I really appreciate all those individuals that are working behind the scenes on it. But Chaz, we appreciate you. All right, we're busy with Ryan Robinson. We'll take our first break. We'll be back on the other side. Got a lot more questions to get to. Also, if you got any on YouTube, Facebook, drop them in the comments section. We'll try and get to them as well. We'll be right back on Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Hi, welcome back into the program. We're visiting with Ryan Robinson, Executive Director of the Pirate Club, also still involved heavily with the ECU Athletics on the athletic side. All right, we've got a, a lot of questions. We'll see how many we can make, we can uh, get through. On our YouTube page, Ryan, uh, Scott wants to know, are there any plans to implement a ticket buyback slash resale program for baseball and basketball so that season ticket holders can make their tickets available when they can't attend. I don't know how difficult that would be. but it, It's been there? discussed, and I, I know what you're talking about, Scott. Uh, you know, we'll have – I think with baseball, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, those seats behind home plate or whatever, they're right. purchased. And, you know, unfortunately individuals can't come to every game, and you make a great point. We have talked about – implementing something for next year where people can turn their tickets back in. Because right now, it's like courtside for basketball. We're basically relying on those donors to call in and say, hey, Ryan, I'm not using my tickets, use them. And we do our best courtside to get people in those seats. Um, We will continue to discuss that. I know exactly what you're talking about. Now, the, the issue is you come regional time. They're yeah. all they're all there, right? And I don't blame. Listen, there's some longtime donors that that live out of town that are not going to lose their tickets. So we do have to figure that out. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, that is something we'll continue to talk to our staff to maybe have a better plan for 2024. It's a great question. We had Cliff Galvin in and last week, and you know, I kind of asked him, would he, I, in an ideal world, try and add more seats? And I've talked to John Gilbert about this at Clark Eau Claire Stadium because y'all y'all have sold out now grandstands two years in a row. So basically people trying to come to the game can only get the, the jungle yeah. seats or the general admission. Is it even possible? Is there any setup to where you could add seats at some point to Clark I mean, this new baseball building will add a hospitality area that will have some seats. The only thing you could do is, I mean, you all saw what they've done at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. But that would really take away the jungle. I mean, they basically made four suites straight up all the way around. Right. You got a little bit of area there on the um, first base side that we use now for letter winners. But uh, I love our capacity, and, and I get it. Like, sometimes we do. We give out 5,900 tickets, and you're going to see some empties. But those tickets were sold. So it's not been much discussion we have. I, I think we have – you know, I don't know if there's a better home field advantage than yeah. Clark or Claire. Uh, and it's not just the regional. When you get that place, uh, North Carolina or whatever, come in. Uh, and that's what Minji's can be 
Um, we've seen it with, like, Houston or whatever. I thought Coach Schwartz said it best when he first got here. He wants people to pack Menjis to see ECU play. Absolutely. And I really think that's how it is at baseball. People are coming to watch ECU play. And we we got to get there in basketball where they're coming to watch uh, ECU. But uh, some of my greatest memories here at ECU have been, obviously, football has been incredible, you know, NC State and South Carolina. But uh, a couple of games in Menjis, man, where I'm just like, wow, this, this place, there's not a better atmosphere right now when it, when everybody shows. But, yeah, th- it's not been discussed, but I would think off the top of my head, I was saying the only place that I see is down the first baseline. Yeah, no, there's. It, I know it's frustrating to some fans who go to the game in the jungle and see the empty seats, but those have been paid for. It's just oh, something yeah. to where it's – There's not an empty – Which hopefully the buyback program, if y'all can maybe yeah. get to that at some point down the line, that can help as well. Um, we'll kind of group these two questions together. Robert wants to know how are the ticket sales for Michigan game, at least from what you've heard. Uh, if those have even gone on sale yet. And then any kind of Pirate Club event for, like, the Friday before the Michigan game and also the App State game is what John wants to know. Yeah, I will tell you. So right now for Michigan, we have, I'll just tell you, the, we get 3,000 tickets. Well, you're going to take about, you know, let's say five, 600, maybe 700 for, you know, our student athletes, coaches, and staff. So that leaves you, you know, a couple thousand tickets. We are doing, right now we're doing it by priority, and we're up to, like, top 400 donors where we're going to do a trip uh, up and back that morning on a plane, tickets to the game, probably end up with, like, 140, 150 people. And then we're going to do a tailgate at the game. So we'll do somewhere in the parking lot there. We do not plan on doing anything Friday night right now from an athletics. Actually meeting with some people on campus next week. Really, um, Next week we'll send out information. Two things: we'll send out information if the if we can ho- if we host a regional. So we'll go ahead and get ahead of that for tickets, mm-hmm. and also for Michigan how we're going to do it. They'll go on sale by priority. Um, hopefully we can take. I've heard from a lot of people that are going, but App State is very similar to Michigan. I'm glad you grouped together. So <laughs> I know we might do the university and alumni might do something on Friday night uh, in Boone. From the Pirate Club standpoint, we're going to do something Saturday. And the reason being, our team is not even staying in Boone. It's hard to get a hotel yeah. room, and it's just like that in Ann Arbor. Right. So we kind of made the decision of let's do everything day of just because I you know, I talk to people every day and say, man, you would not believe how much I'm paying and I'm staying an hour away from Ann Arbor. But, yeah, our team is not staying in Boone, so we'll do something um, – both those days on game day in the parking lot, we'll send out all the information. But like I said, I, what does Michigan hold? We don't, we're only getting 3,000 of those. So uh, I know somebody told me the other day the tickets were already out on the secondary market. Right. But uh, we will have tickets for sale. Hopefully we'll go on sale by the end of May. And they'll go quick. Yeah, every ECU fan I talk to is going. So I'm expecting like 40,000 uh, ECU fans in, I hear that in the a big lot. house. Yeah, yeah, that will be – Hopefully they'll be able to hear us there, and, and that's – I know our fans, like, that's going to be a great opportunity. I think, you know, I'm sure Coach Houston, when he looks at our schedule, but I, I think it's pretty cool to open with Michigan and then have Marshall and then get to go to App. Never been to, I've never been to a game at App, but um, that's a pretty cool deal. And then, you know, the Gardner-Webb game is typically – I think that's family weekend. Yeah. It's usually our most packed football game. So uh, I'm glad we don't have four straight home games. 
it's kind of exhausting after a while. It right? was. But, uh, yeah, so you'll have information on the app thing will probably come out a little later, but you'll have Michigan ticket information next week. All right, uh, Dean Smith wants to know. He, he's got a couple questions about Town Bank Tower. I don't know how much you, you can yeah. comment on this or know about it. But he asked about kind of what the, the – uh, operating overhead and monthly upkeep of Town Bank Tower. I know it's been basically reported it's tough to make money based on what the previous administration kind of, uh, you know, uh, forecasted out for that. You know, how much of that do you all have to deal with now? And I know it's a great venue to use six times a year, seven times, and also in other dates as well. So kind of if you could address Town Bank Tower. The, the well, first of all, it's a first-class venue. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we are so fortunate at ECU Athletics to have that venue. I think we probably got to do a better job um, bringing it out for other events. Right. And that's something we, we talk about eternally just because we're always talking about different revenue. But, yeah, I mean, I think with the Town Bank Tower, you know, what we have to do with this current staff administration, we, we need to make sure every suite's full, every loge box is full, and every trade club seat. And that's kind of the three different areas. And I will tell you, that that is the case. It is full. And it was full last year. So, And then another part of the tower is the Williams-Clark club seats on the other side. And we're selling those uh, kind of the most we've, we've ever sold since the tower was built because uh, really it's the next – uh, best thing. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to relive the past. I know that we are fortunate to have a structure like that because I know when we bring people in, we've had a lot of times, uh, I can't remember who it was last year, it was a Power 5 school came in and played baseball and wanted to go look at the tower and left and we're like, oh my God, this is incredible. Right. And, and no, there is a lot of upkeep. Um, you know, we, we have this issue. We have a lot of birds that like to fly around uh, Dowdy Ficklin Stadium in the right. off season. But there is a lot of upkeep. But I take pride in that building because I got here when it was built. And we do got to take care of it and understand that it's used for a lot of different purposes. I know Coach Houston will tell you, Coach Schwartz, Coach Vanille, a lot of other, they use it for recruiting. Um, but for our I think for three straight years now, we have a pretty good waiting list now for suites and loads boxes. But that is key. We have to continue right. to sell that out. So um, we, we got to continue to do that. I, I don't really spend a lot of time worrying about – I mean, I spend a lot of time worrying about financial debts and deficit. Right. But I know what we have to do to keep that thing moving along, and that is sell it out. Uh, Chess Pirate again with another question wants to know kind of about student attendance. He says, what role impact can the Pirate Club have in promoting student attendance at home football, basketball, baseball games? He says, since part of the hope must be to educate students about why the Pirate Club exists and how it can become a positive impact on athletic success at ECU, what is the process for kind of getting the attention of the students and converting as many of those into the young grad Well, program? it starts really quickly. Um, we have a gentleman, Blaze Hudson, on our staff that kind of handles all the student pirate club, and you will see him all summer, especially when it comes here in August. Uh, I tell people, Blaze deals with the parents more than he does the students when they come in for orientation. I always see him over there because they're, they're paying, but the student pirate club's everything. You know, I look at it this year. At Dowdy Ficklin, <laughs> we sold out most seats ever for the NC State game. Most students ever, I think it was like 13,100. Um, would I like to have that every game? Yes. But you got to be realistic. I think 
We have a good uh, idea with our students when a game is going to be packed, when it's going to be crowded. Obviously, we do. We try to do a lot of giveaways. Now, students are also, when it comes to basketball, I mean, they're also studying yeah. and other things. So um, our students have been incredible. Our student attendance has been, especially for baseball, I mean, we have so many tickets that we give out there in left field. And those tickets are right for Those tickets go quickly. Uh, our students have been great. We continue to educate them. Uh, I think there is a part of educating about what the Pirate Club does, but really for them it's have them understand the access they get, where their money's going. And I think what everybody's seen, what we've been able to do with the old tennis courts, um, I mean, I can't tell you how successful that's been. If you've yeah. been to a football game, it's it's packed to the max. But uh, people sometimes are hard on students. Um it's funny. I was at a football game this year, and somebody just really gave it to me, a, a donor, about lack of students. I'm like, man, there's, there's 9,000 over them there right now. That's pretty That's pretty impressive. Yeah. People have to remember, the boneyard is very large, too. It takes a lot to fill it. It, it takes a lot to fill it. And I've been at the SEC level, and I, I will tell you, like, ECU students are, are right up there with uh, – you know, I've been to a lot of basketball games that – other SEC schools where there's two or three thousand, and I've seen several times, a lot of times where our our lower bowl is full before tip off in basketball, and they're sending them upstairs. We're, we're still looking at student seeing at basketball. I think we've got to be a little bit more organized because right now when it's full, we're sending them upstairs. What's happening is some of them are sitting in donor seats that aren't there, and it becomes a little jumbled. <laughs> I think uh, John and I have talked a lot about do we have a set area in the upper level where it's like, hey, that's where all the students, students are going. Yeah. Uh, but, man, our student section at Menji's is, is incredible. And then when that boneyard's full, and, and a lot of it is too, like let's just put it back on, uh, you know, ECU. Like you got to win. Yeah. And, you know, students are going to come. You see what they do with baseball and they've done with basketball. I'd love to see more students come out to our women's basketball games. I think the the style of play that uh, Kim McNeil has established is a very fast-paced. they got a great group of ladies on that team. Um, I was just at an event last week where Sunia Johnson, um, she was an outstanding scholar-athlete. And, you know, MVP of the tournament. Yeah. So that to me is pretty cool. I was looking up there and I'm like, man, that, you know, that young lady was just the MVP of the conference tournament. And now she's up here receiving an outstanding scholar athlete. So, but no, students are a large part. Don't be so hard on them. Uh, I like to encourage them. And remember, they're coming in as freshmen and sophomores. So we've got to educate them as well. Yeah. They got a lot going on as a former ECU student. <laughs> I can, uh, I can attest to that. Um, we, we touched on the, the basketball lights in the arena. Somebody wants to know, and, again, y'all don't have unlimited money, so you can't do yeah. everything. Uh, somebody wants to know, will But you, we can do a lot with money. Right, that is true. Uh, <laughs> wants to know, will the lighting around the entire concourse of basketball improve? He says, like, some of the sides concourse is kind of, like, dim um, as far as, like, concession areas. Yeah, I mean, we don't have any plans right now. We can look at I know exactly what you're talking about. It's it's interesting because I do appreciate these questions because we talk about it. Right. I mean, sometimes John Gilbert, J.J. McLam, and I will go on little facility tours, and we get it too. But like you said, um, you've got to have money to do it. Um, I think, you know, with basketball too, and Menji's, um, 
you know, a lot of people weren't using those concession stands upstairs, so yeah. we closed them, and some people complained. It's like, well, we ran the numbers. Uh, no one was using them. So, But, no, the lighting probably does need to be a little bit better, and, and that's something we can look at it. But I, I'm going to tell you, th- these LED lights, um, what's, Minji's going to look uh, – it's going to look pretty sweet next year. Uh, I think everybody saw last year what we were able to do with the boards for football. Yeah. It, it makes a difference. Um, and I do want to add, I know we'll probably have a couple more questions, yeah. but I, I don't know if John has mentioned this, but we do have plans uh, to honor the late Jeff Charles. Yeah. I think we're going to do something at the Marshall game. We'd like to do something around basketball. Uh, I've been thinking about Jeff a lot lately. You know, I was with the basketball team on that road trip and, and when it happened, and it was Interesting, the other day, Luigi DeBoe graduated, and that was one of Jeff's favorite players, and Luigi and I had discussed it, and uh, so we are going to honor him the right way. We're going to pick a uh, – we're working with Coach Schwartz right now. There will be a basketball. It might be a multi-games. It might could be a weekend that we're going to honor him, but honor him at the Marshall game. So uh, I did want to add that. Absolutely. Just a, a couple more, yeah. and then we'll get you no, out of here. Um John Gilbert's making me go to lunch today, so yeah. that's all. That's I don't want to keep him. No, no, I'll, I'll tell him to go ahead and order. <laughs> uh, somebody mentioned LED. You, you talked about what's happening with the basketball lights. I guess somebody wants to know the LED lights for football. Could that ever be a possibility as far as the big lights up top? Yeah, and really where we need it to is baseball. Yeah. <laughs> There's a couple areas. Yeah, it could be a possibility. That That is a very expensive uh, undertaking. Uh, I think for basketball, you're probably looking at I don't know, but I mean it's it's you know well in the six figures. Right. Uh, but it you know if people have been to baseball enough, you have uh, yeah. you've seen where the lights have gone off. Absolutely, and it takes uh, a long time. It takes a long on. time. So I think uh, baseball and football are definitely options. And then John's probably talked about this. I'm really excited. We're kind of getting new boards at lacrosse and softball, yeah. which are which are very much needed. Uh, and then. You know, I think a lot of times we talk about the campaign. One of the next steps in the campaign, we're, we're going to get the indoor baseball, but we are doing a lot with we've got to redo the team's building. Yeah. You know, when they added lacrosse, there wasn't a whole lot done, and uh, we got to make sure that we're, we're doing the proper spaces. I'm looking forward to that part of the campaign. I've already talked to several people that, that want to be involved, so – uh, like I said, it never stops. It's every day. Yeah. All right, last question. This is a good one to end on because it kind of encompasses everything, and you can make it as short or long as you want. Um, somebody wants to know, wh- what do you see as the Pirate Club's chief strengths, uh, potential weaknesses, opportunities, and threats at this time? And I don't know how much you want to <laughs> encompass all yeah. that. One, well, I but. think the strengths right now is <clears throat> we got – I feel strongly we have the right people. Um you know, you can always add a couple staff members, but when you're doing that, um, we try to keep our expenses low, uh, just so all of our money is going to scholarships and other areas. Um, but I think I wouldn't say it's a weakness. I would say it's an area we got to continue to get better at, and it's not easy. Is making sure that we're hitting the surrounding region and these community. Nothing pains me more when someone says, "I hadn't heard from the Pirate Club in a year." Well, you know, you have 6,000 members. I know I don't talk to 6,000 right. people, Pirate Club members, but I do try to go through accounts sometimes and just call people and say thank you. And, and I answer the phone just like everybody else at the Pirate Club. But we've got to continue to be aggressive in reaching. I go back to this. Man, if you give $200, I, I value that. 
That is important if we want to move forward. We can't just go around and everybody rely on a $5 million donation. We need the $200. And really, I think the only threat we have is just the landscape's changing. Everything's getting more expensive. Yeah. You know, scholarships are going up. So we've got to continue to be aggressive but also be realistic that we, we're not going to cut any corners. You know, if we've got to raise $22 million for an indoor, we're going to raise $22 million. Because that's going to affect the future of ECU right. Athletics, making sure we're raising uh, the amount of money. And, yeah, listen, I love pledges, but at the end of the day, it takes money. Yeah. And that's why I've been really happy with this uh, campaign. We've had some people do two- or three-year pledges that have already paid off two of the three years. So I think the future of the Pirate Club is uh, it's bright because we got great young staff. we got some young staff members, and then we have veterans like – Matt Maloney, who every day teaches me something. But I will go back to when I first started this. The future of ECU athletics, I'm just telling you, Stephen, we have a chance to do something that's never been done before. We are positioned so well entering this next group. Yeah, you know, I look at basketball. Is Florida Atlantic in there? Yeah, they just made the incident. That could be ECU. Yeah. You know, I look at what Kim and Neil did this year. You know, we can continue to build off that. I know Mike Houston believes we can win a conference championship here. Obviously, I correct me if I'm wrong, but baseball has a chance to host a regional for the fifth straight year. Yes. That's unheard of. Like, And I think we've got to appreciate that. Sometimes I take it for granted where I step back and go, there's a lot of good things going here. And don't worry, no one is getting, um, no one is getting comfortable or satisfied. But you do have to sometimes sit back and go, man, we got a lot of good things going on here. Um, and... And really just keep pushing forward. Do not stop one day. We just got to keep pushing forward. He is Ryan Robinson, Executive Director of the Power Club. Ryan, I know you got a lot going on, Ryan. so appreciate the time as always, man. Congratulations on the show, man, and uh, hopefully be back again soon. Absolutely. We'll get John Gilbert on shortly uh, in the coming weeks to answer the rest of these questions. Thanks, everybody, for all the questions, and we got to as many as we could. All right, we got to get a break in. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Iko. Take up the show. 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into Hoist the Colors, 94.3 The Game. Just had an awesome visit with Ryan Robinson, the executive director of the Pirate Club. We went uh, a little longer than schedules. So we're going to take a, a quick break here in a second, but I just wanted to recap a couple things. Also, we, we had a few questions on YouTube. Ryan uh, Gupton asked, What's being done to improve concession stand efficiency at football games? We're scheduled. We don't have the date set yet, but we're going to get John Gilbert, the the director of athletics, to come on later this month, and we'll have him in to kind of answer the rest of these questions. But a lot of good info on where the Pirate Club stands, the Pirates Unite campaign stands as well. Sounds like the indoor practice facility is getting closer to becoming a reality. He said uh, probably another close, around $10 million or so, but we'll definitely solidify it, if not a little less than that. So uh, we'll, we'll continue to monitor that situation, maybe a few more big donations, and lots of small donations can get us there. All right, we're going to have to take a quick break because we've got another uh, segment to get in as well. We'll be right back. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Back to the show with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hi, welcome back into the program. Hoist the colors, 94.3 The Game. Had an awesome chat with Ryan Robinson earlier from the Pirate Club. 
wanted to give you guys a few programming updates. So later this week, uh, we, we've got a couple of guests scheduled. Right now for tomorrow, we're going to catch up with NFL veteran, former NFL veteran Steve Berline. He's now an NFL analyst, of course, former Carolina Panthers quarterback. So, of course, we talk a lot of ECU on this show, but uh, we we got a connection with Steve. We're going to talk some Panthers. I know we got a lot of Panther fans in the area. We'll also talk the NFL draft, get his take on Bryce Young as he's calling games for CBS and doing some work covering the NFL. So Steve Berline, who played with the Panthers from 96 to 2000, actually still holds the most yards ever passed for in a season ahead of Cam Newton in his 99 campaign. So we'll talk to Steve Berline about that on tomorrow's show. Of course, we'll also have Philip Pilkington in studio. We'll be previewing the Old Dominion game as that has been moved to Wednesday at 3 o'clock. So we'll kind of have a little bit of a preview for that game that was originally scheduled for Tuesday night. And then ODU had some travel issues. They actually had to stay the night in the airport on the way back from Arkansas State. So they didn't get back to Norfolk until around late uh, Monday night, I believe. So they had some issues there with travel plus some potential weather that uh, caused the game to be moved to Wednesday. So critical game for ECU baseball. We'll have what to expect with Philip in studio tomorrow, along with a visit with Steve Berline. We're also scheduled to talk to on Thursday former Pirate cornerback, defensive back Deshaun Amos, and Deshaun is ongoing with his NFL or his pro career, formerly of the NFL, now in the CFL uh, in Toronto. We'll talk with him. I actually caught up with him at spring practice. He was visiting. It was awesome to catch up with him for about 15, 20 minutes. We'll now. Have some of that conversation on the air for Pirate Nation as well. Deshaun's a great representative of East Carolina University. And then we're scheduled to have on Friday Hank Hinton, obviously of Interbanks Media, but also who helps run Team Boneyard. We're scheduled to have him in studio on Friday. Uh, we'll have to finalize that with some things they're working on on Team Boneyard. May have to push that back, but then uh, we'll have him in studio potentially Friday and next week. Mike Schwartz and Kim McNeil will have in studio on the basketball front. So, a lot coming your way on Hoist the Colors. Again, big game for East Carolina baseball on Wednesday. ODU, a top 100 RPI team. ECU up to 22 in the RPI, right in the mix for, for a potential hosting site. Once again, this will be one of their few top 100 opponents left on the regular season schedule. We'll have that discussion as well. With Phillip tomorrow, as the latest projections from D1 Baseball and Baseball America should be out as well right around the time we start the program. So this was fun. Ryan Robinson, one of, our, one of our, my favorite guests, great talker. We answered as many questions as possible in the 40, 45 minutes we had him on, so appreciate him. Go back and listen to it online if you missed any of it. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Voice of Colors. We'll visit with you tomorrow with Steve Berline and Philip Pilkington. We'll talk to you then. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegames.com, on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 The Game. Thank you.